You're listening to Get Ready to Rock Radio. Turn on, tune in, and wig out. Do you think up until round about 1994, um, in fact, it was a 10-year period, I think, you wrote with guitarist John Albany, is it, or Albany? Albany, and that was about almost 12 years, yeah. Well, this was a bit like Nick Giraldo and Pat Benatar. It was like a great songwriting partnership. So, so Lee, do you think that partnership, I mean, it, it does apply to many artists, this, where they team up and, and over a long period, in fact, even perhaps longer than the 12 years. But do you think that is quite important for, let's say, aspiring artists to collaborate with others like that, to produce something which, you know, is consistently successful? You can bounce ideas off each other. I mean, it, it, it evidently worked for you, didn't it, at the time? Even John and I would go as a partnership to go write with other writers in Nashville or L.A. And um, I think that was a very good education for me in the beginning of my career. I think it is important for young songwriters to write with as many people as possible that are skilled, obviously, because there's always something that you can learn. Like I wrote with Jim Valance, who's a was Brian Adams' partner for years and years. And um, I learned from those writing sessions with Jim, what I learned is cutting the fat with lyric content he was just like you know if it's a superfluous word that like like or just or at and it doesn't need to be there find a different way to say this to get rid of those words like he i learned a lot about like trimming the fat with lyric content from him when i worked with paul sabu i think we learned about choosing sister keys that can work for transition sections and um i think it's good a good experience to work with many songwriters when you're young to learn skills like that and to you know there's gonna you're gonna learn something from every everyone you work with and be able to take those things away but now that I'm a much more mature person and songwriter I feel like I've got that arsenal of tricks now that it's made me much more effective at being able to sit down to the piano and write a song all by myself if that makes sense mm. so I think yes and then and then you have the odd like prodigy artist like a Dylan who doesn't need to write with anybody. They do what they do. Like Dylan was writing. I wasn't writing as mature songs when I was 18 as I am at 50. Do you know what I mean? But Dylan was you know, like there's like the odd just prodigy person that is like that where they don't ever need to write with anybody. You just need to listen to them to learn. Well, let's move the story a little bit more up to date now with Fire and Gasoline. It really marked your hard rock renaissance, let's call it that, back in uh, 2016. I mentioned the renaissance. I think it was something like that because we did we did actually see Lee in Europe because you came over for some festivals, including Rockingham, I think it was, in uh, 2016 in Nottingham, which you may recall. I have to say, we reviewed that for Get Ready to Rock, so we're on your side, Lee. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then you came, I think a year later, you came to London for, maybe it was just one date, I think. But it was evidently swept up with the promotion of that album and really marking a return to form and, you know, giving your fans an opportunity to see you live again. That was the main thing. What was the reason for the change of heart around about 2015, 2016, you know, returning really to the harder rock that you were well known for? 
I had this misinformed notion that I would just pack my baby up and be able to continue on the road. And it just turned out to be anything but. Um, I gave birth to our daughter. I'm my John Cody, my husband, is also the drummer in the band. And um, and then I had my son in 2016, 20, I'm sorry, 20, 2006. So 2004, 2006, I had, we had our children really close together and it was just, life got really small for a while. It was, I told my agent, you know, don't call me unless it's a really big show because I, it's not worth it for me to walk out my door. It's too much of a hassle. I, and all my creative energy for about 12 years went to raising our children. It takes a tremendous amount of creative energy to raise little ones. Um, and, you know, I realized that that, you know, it took me a while to get locked into this new mode of life, but I realized that really was my imp most important job at that time. I didn't, didn't want my kids to end up in therapy when they were older because their mom was never around when they were little kids, you know. I, well, I went in, drug, dug in full on. and um, But then when they were a little bit older, um, some time and space opened up. They became more independent, and I and I I had saved all of these ideas in my iPhone. <laughs> like I was like, and I'm like, yeah, let's. We got to write a new record. Sean Kelly had joined the band in 2014, and um, I was just ready to write a new record. So I started writing because my children were in school and they were more independent and didn't need me as much. And uh, the result was fire and gasoline. You know, we didn't put any filters on ourselves. To, I wasn't, I didn't go, oh, I'm going to write a hard rock record. I thought I'm just going to write some songs and see how they turned out. And they turned out to be a, it turned out to be a melodic hard rock record, Fire and Gasoline. And then that, that's, that uh, trajectory has just continued. You know, we put out Diamond Baby in 2018. We put out Power Soul Rock and Roll live in Germany in uh, 2019. And then uh, Radio One, of course, has just dropped. So what was the trigger? Because you, you, we've talked about you went through that sort of jazzy period, let's call it. Then you've, you, you have your young family. Was anybody saying anything to you? It might have been a promoter. It could have just been the musicians you were mixing with. But was there a trigger to get you to go back to the melodic hard rock? Is it something that you always wanted to do anyway? Had you been in a period of rejection of that in the early 2000s? It wasn't a rejection of the form, put it that way, the form of the music. I still loved rock and roll, you know. I I I'm a I'm a I'm a rock and roll chick, you know. That's what I do. I you know I hesitate to say metal because I really don't think that I've put out anything metal since 2000, you know. Um, you know maybe my fans don't like to hear me say that, but you know in terms of like. 80s hair riffage like that. I don't think I've done anything. I think the direction I've gone in is definitely more Stonesy slash Fleetwood Mac slash early heart, you know, that that vibe. It's rock and roll, you know? So it wasn't a rejection of that form of music. It was a rejection of the music industry. I had no desire to get in bed with a label to have people tell me that I should be wearing you know, red spandex hot pants, you know, I had no desire to be marketed and sold by a label. So since 2000, I have financed and produced everything I've done myself. It is entirely my own vision, what I, you know, um, in terms of the music and the marketing. And then I have partnered with a label for distribution. That is how I've chosen to do things. 
and that is that is the testament testament to two things: how I was marketed in the beginning, which we, and I, you know, unfortunately, I was a young girl. I made some mistakes. I stumbled through some awkward marketing, but it's all out there in public because I grew up in the public eye. I've been in the public eye since I was 17 years old, and it's all out there. And I just, I, I just wanted to take back my power and take back control of my career. The song Metal Queen was about that. The song Metal Queen was about taking back my power, but unfortunately, because it was sandwiched in between, you know, slippery when wet and sexy chicks being sprayed down with water, washing the cars of rock stars, the message was kind of lost in that MTV Much Music era, right? So I just didn't want to get in bed with the business aspect. I wanted to do it myself. And that is why you you've seen me producing and releasing my own albums. Part of the impetus for coming back to rock was just that's what I ended up writing. Sean Kelly, who is our new guitarist, who's been in the band since 2013, 2014, um, he really w was gung-ho to do some writing with, with us as a band. Um, and, uh, you know, that's just the direction things went in, you know, was all of our influences. And I, I think we have a real unique and special combination now as a unit, a, a band, and I'm just so excited in fact, I have a new album written already, even though Radio On just came out. I'm going in the studio in August with Mike Fraser to make a new record. So, ha, there you go. <laughs> Gosh, you're going to have uh, songs backing up when you go out on tour then, aren't you, really? You can have two albums, to, to two recent albums to draw upon. Um, I'm sure that when you did come to Europe in those years, 2016, 2017, that you must have realised the appreciation of your music and that there's still a niche for female-fronted melodic rock, uh, melodic hard rock, if you like. It was interesting, you know, what you were saying about raising a family because it's basically seen off a number of, I mean, in the nicest way possible, a number of artists and I might mention in Dispatches, uh, Lee, do you remember Sandy Soraya? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, very much in the same space as you. I mean, tremendous albums in the, let me think, late, uh, late 80s, early 1990s. Again, you know, they played a little bit on her image and everything, but the music was great. And I do see some read across there, really. But going back to her position, I mean, I think she raised a, a, a few children and, and just, you know, turned her back on the industry, really. She was, she's was she been tracked down on a number of occasions. And uh, she was scheduled to play the, the now defunct festival in the UK, Firefest, a, a few years back. But I don't think they, they could agree terms, which is a great shame. And I, I would just like to say, you know, in, in um, rounding things off this interview, so that it's it's really great that you've stuck at it over the years and come back in the last few years with some great albums. And knowing now that you are, <laughs> you're working on your next one. Get ready to rock radio music you want to hear. And to hear the full interview with Lee Aaron, do head over to GetReadyToRockRadio.com and follow the link to our Mixcloud page. That's where you'll find it, along with a whole load of other interviews and special features. From all of us here at Get Ready To Rock Radio, thank you for listening.